We are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. All right. Are you ready for our new series today? Oh, I am super duper excited. I did say super duper um, about our brand new series, Neighborhood Hope Dealer. And I've been waiting about three or four months to get this out, and I've just been so ready to share with you um, about what the Holy Spirit has placed on my heart for this series. And I truly believe that this series, we will see a shift in our church. We will see a new season arise in our church from this series. That's how strongly I feel about it. So I encourage you to lean in all month of June. Uh, Try to get here every service you can. If you missed, check out the podcast, but stay connected to this series because I think it's pivotal for our church and uh, where God is taking us as a church. In this series, I want to talk about the church. Someone say the church. church. The church, which is you and I, right? Um, we are the church, and we are called and commissioned by God in his word to be neighborhood hope dealers. Now, we're sitting in a church. I understand that, but this, this is representative of just brick and mortar and drywall and wood. But wherever you and I go, according to God's word, we are the church. We are called to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Jesus isn't here on earth, but he is here on earth through you and I. So we are called to be the hands and feet. He's placed his Holy Spirit in us, and he said, I need you to be those neighborhood hope dealers to get the message of hope and grace out to our community. We are the church. Many people have defined kind of what the church is, and I kind of came up with this Uh, or heard it from somebody maybe, I don't know, but this little one-liner, the church is the expression of God's love here on earth. That's you and I. Someone say, that's me. That's me. Um, Jesus is not showing up in physical form. He was on this earth 33 and a half years. And then he left. He went to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, but he sent his Holy Spirit down to live within us. And he has commissioned us now to go out to be that expression of love. Someone say love. love. You know, you can build a great church. You can do a lot of things in the community. You can have a big church. But if you don't have love, you have nothing. That's what the Bible says. It said you can do church. You can prophesy. You can sing your songs. You can preach your messages. You can do all that. But if love is not at the center, if it is not the central theme of why we are here, then the Bible says we are bankrupt. We are empty without love. Amen? Now, this is not a teachy message. This is a preachy message. I will get loud. I will get passionate. So if you're new here, don't get scared and grab your pocketbook (laughs) and run out. But just know you're going to hear my heart in this series. You're going to hear what I'm believing for, for your life, for this church. You're going to hear a little bit of who we are as Fuel Church, why we exist, and what we desire 
to continue to be doing as a church in our community. So if you're new here or if you've been here for a long time, you get to hear my heart through this series. And I'm going to pour it all out in the next couple weeks. I'm just going to pour it all out because I believe that everything changes from this day forward for this church. I don't say that often. I don't, you know, say things like, but I just feel the Holy Spirit saying everything changes from this day forward. Go with me to Matthew chapter 22 if you have your Bibles. If not, we have two Bibles up on the screen, big Bibles. Verse 1 through 10. I want to read this story. It says, Jesus responded by telling still more stories. God's kingdom, he said. It's like a king who threw a wedding banquet for his son. He sent out servants to call in all the invited guests, and they wouldn't come. He sent out another round of servants, instructing them to tell the guests, Look, everything is on the table. The prime rib is ready for carving. Come on, somebody. Anybody like some prime rib up in here? Makes me hungry. It's ready for carving. Come to the feast. They only shrugged their shoulders and went off. One to weed his garden. Another to work in his shop. The rest, with nothing better to do, beat up on the messengers and killed them. The king was outraged and he sent his soldiers to destroy those thugs and to level their city. And then listen to this. Then he told his servants, we have a wedding banquet all prepared, but no guest. The ones I invited weren't up to it. So here's what I want you to do. Go out into the busiest intersections in town and invite anyone you find to the banquet. The servants went out on the streets and rounded up everyone. Someone say everyone. Everyone they laid eyes on, good and bad. Good and bad. Everyone you lay eyes on, both the good and the bad, regardless. And it says, and so the banquet was on, and every place or every seat was filled. Jesus here is talking in what we know of parables, which were stories, really. And Jesus would talk this way because they could understand the principle that he was teaching them. And we see that Jesus is illustrating about the kingdom. And he said it's like this banquet that he is throwing for his son. And uh, we, we know that that son is Jesus, and we know that banquet would be the church. Someone say the church. It would be the church. And he said, I, I, I invited everyone out. I had the table set, the place settings, their name on each seat. But the people that I invited were too busy to come. They had excuses. One said, hey, I got to go take care of my lawn. I mow it two to three times a week to keep up with super dad lawn taker carer that lives next door. That gets out the scissors and trims his blades of grass. I'm too busy to come to this banquet, Jesus. I got housework to do on Sunday. I got sports stuff to take care of. I'm too busy. And then another guy said, man, I work seven days a week. I can't do it. 
I work. I got, I, got to, I got to get more money so I can buy more things and upgrade this and upgrade that. And I'm just, I'm too busy to come to the banquet. One after another, they had these excuses on why they couldn't come to the banquet. Jesus tells his servants, the last line of servants, to go out and invite everyone you lay your eyes on. The good and the bad. The good and the bad, regardless of what they've done, get them here and fill this house. Can I submit to you today that God wants his house filled every single week with the good and the bad. Regardless, 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 the good and the bad. His desire is for every seat to be filled. And in this series, each week I'm going to give you something that I am praying for our church to embrace in this new season that we're stepping into. And today, I want to give you the first thing. I'm praying that God would fill this house with broken people. Broken people. I'm praying as Fuel Church, you and I, that God would fill this house with broken people. I know sometimes we want safe church. I know sometimes we want cookie-cutter church. Like everybody looks the same. I know sometimes we, we want everybody to be cleaned up and fixed when they come to church. And uh, we want everyone to believe like we do. Well, if they don't believe like this, then they can't be here. We want everybody to look the way we do. We want everybody to talk the way we talk. We want everybody know, to know how to act. But church, that's not the church Jesus is wanting to build. He said, go out and find the good and the bad. Every person you lay eyes on, the good, the bad, find them and fill this house. Because the truth today is Jesus wants to build his church with broken people. Broken people. People. Broken people. He wants to fill this place with people who are broken, with people who have been hurt, with people who have issues, with people who are not cleaned up, but will come and allow the great fixer-upper to fix them up. Sorry, Chip and Joanne, there's an ultimate fixer-upper. His name is Jesus. He said, go and invite everyone, the good, the bad, the broken people, the hopeless people, and bring them to my house. You know, one thing about brokenness is it's not prejudice. Brokenness finds everyone. The skinny, the big, the short, the tall, the rich, the poor, 
The one who has a new car, the one who doesn't have a car, the one who has a new home, the one who doesn't have a home. The one who was raised on this side of the tracks or the north end, the south end, the east. Brokenness finds everybody. The black, the white, the Latino, the age. Brokenness finds us all. It's not prejudice. It's not prejudice. The 12-year-old to the 90-year-old. Brokenness finds us all. The truth be told today in this building, there are more broken people here than there are fixed people. That's why Jesus said, everyone you lay your eyes on. His assumption was, everyone is broken in some area. Hmm. See, when you're broken, you're hopeless. You're hopeless. Why, why? When you're broken, you're broke. You're bankrupt. You ever been broke? Like financially speaking? Like not not zero in the account. How about negative? How about charges after charges? Yeah. Some of you are like, yeah, this week. <laughs> I've been there. Because when you're broken, you are bankrupt. You're empty. There's no currency. There, there, there's no currency of joy and peace and contentment. And there's no currency of hope. It's depleted. You are broken. And some people in here today are purpose broken you can't find your purpose you haven't discovered why you're placed on this earth what on earth am i here for well what is my purpose some of you are joy broken your joy is broke you're still searching for joy in a relationship in something or someone your joy broke some people are family broke your family is so broke They can't even communicate for a few minutes in a room together. Broken. Family broke. Some people are sober broke. That means you're not sober, (laughs) in case you're wondering. You're sober broke. You're trying to fill the hurt, the void with a substance, a pill, a bottle, something to get rid of this brokenness, something to heal the pieces of my broken heart from childhood, something to take away the pain. This isn't glass, by the way. It's called sugar glass. It's actually pretty good if you want a piece afterwards. You ever ate the rock candy? That's what that is. I see some lady getting worried. She's like, oh my God, he's going to cut himself. Some people are peace broke. I don't know what peace is. They've never had a moment, a season of true peace. And so they run, 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 go, go, go. Keep my schedule busy to fill up because I don't want to deal with what's in here. And you've never had a moment, a season where you just were like, okay, I feel God's peace. God is good. I I feel the peace of God in my life right now. I feel it in my marriage. I feel it in my home. Your peace, bro. Some of you are friendship broke. Because you hurt every person that comes into your life. You betray every friend that comes in. Your friendship broke. You see, one thing about broken is when you're broken, you're always in something. Broke in. Broke in. Work with me now if you're an English teacher. Forgive me. 
I know it's E-N, but work with the message. I'm a preacher. I-N. Broke in. When you're broken, you're in addiction. You're in a bad marriage. You're in toxic relationships. You're in something. You're in debt. You're in trouble. You're in making the wrong decision after decision. Here's the thing about brokenness. It gets messy. It gets messy when there's brokenness around us. It is messy up on this stage. There is sugar glass in the wires and the instruments. And my brother yelled at me after first, don't break both pieces of it. It got too messy on us. And I said, Joel, that's the point of the message. We might as well go there. It gets messy when we're dealing with broken people. And if we're going to ask God to fill this house with broken people, then we must be willing to help clean up the mess. And I came to preach right here. I came to preach right here. We, we must be willing to clean up the mess. Because when you invite brokenness into a church, it gets messy. It gets messy. And it takes time to clean up brokenness. It takes time for the fixer-upper to put people back together. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen. And when you're dealing with brokenness, especially in the context of a church, it's when things get confusing because we say things like, I don't understand why those type of people are here. Why are they allowing them to be here? Their, their struggle is a lot different. And when we're dealing with brokenness, we put our struggle and other people's struggles in different categories. And we label them because that's what society does. Society profiles everybody. Oh, can we talk about it? And well, at least my sin's not like their sin. No, no, sin is sin. Sin is sin, it doesn't matter what you do. Now, there's different consequences to the sin, right? I could, I could uh, take a knife and cut my steak, right? Or I could take that knife and I could murder someone. And how many know there's some consequences to that sin? A little different than, you, than some people's lying and gossip and cheating. But it's still sin. But we categorize people. And when we deal with brokenness, a lot of the times, we are only looking at ourselves We're only thinking about our self-righteousness and we're not looking and caring about the mess of the brokenness of others. Here's why you're not going to understand certain people that walk through the doors of the church. And here's why sometimes you're going to scratch your head at who is sitting next to you. Because Jesus wants broken people in this church. And Jesus is all about fixing the brokenness. He's all about fixing it. He is the great fixer-upper. We probably had a few things said about our church, and one of the things is, well, they just let everybody and anybody at Fuel Church. Yep. Yep. God said, the good and the bad. 
the good and the bad. Yep, we let you in. The good and the bad. Everyone is welcome here. Everyone. And here's why. Here's why. Every one of us has brokenness, has sin attached to our brokenness. And you know what the remedy to that sin is? The blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us. So your brokenness is welcome here. It's welcome here. We're going to point you to the remedy. We're going to point you to know how to heal the broken pieces of your heart. Some of you are 30, 40, 50 years old, still holding on to the broken pieces of your heart because you've never really truly encountered the greatest fixer-upper ever. You've never allowed Jesus to take the pieces and mend your heart and put it back together piece by piece by piece. You know what happens in a lot of times in churches? Is we're so focused on ourselves. We don't want to be inconvenienced by the mess of brokenness. Don't inconvenience me. I'm just trying to make it through the week. You should be glad I'm even here. We don't want to be inconvenienced. You know what we do? Most church people do? They walk on the broken people. Well, they, they didn't do my song. Music was too loud, too hot in there. I don't know why that worship leader wears skinny jeans every week. <laughs> the parking's crazy. Oh, my gosh. It's just crazy. It took me forever to get out of the parking lot. But you wait at the golden trough for 25 minutes to eat your whatever it's called. We don't even realize we're stepping on broken people. We're so self-absorbed and so self-centered that we don't realize that we are stepping on the very people that Jesus said, I am building my church with broken people. Everyone in here is important to God, and no one escapes his sovereign love and acceptance. Everyone is someone who Christ died for. Everyone can know God. Everyone can find freedom. Everyone can discover their purpose, and everyone can make a difference here at Fuel Church. Everyone you lay your eyes on, he said, is a candidate. For a life change is a candidate to have a fixer upper showing up in their life to put everything back together out with the old in with the new baby. That's what Jesus does. Everyone. Someone say everyone. Everyone, everyone is important to God. Everyone from all different races, all different backgrounds. All ages, all types, and all sorts. No one is left out. Why? Because everybody needs hope. Everybody. I don't care if you were born with a silver spoon. Your parents have money. You need hope. There's broken areas in your life that only Jesus can fix. Only Jesus. His presence. It was here during the worship. You felt something. You didn't know what it was. You felt tingly. You felt goosebumps, whatever. That's the presence of God. That's what we invite to come in to our worship experiences every single week because the reality is this church cannot fix you. I cannot fix you. Only Jesus can fix you. 
My prayer is, God, that you would fill this house with broken people. Fill this house. That's the church I want us to be. And I know for some that's tough to, and hard to wrap your mind around. It's tough for you to think about that. And let me just let you know, there are plenty of churches that are not after broken people. There are plenty of places you can worship and be comfortable and not be challenged to do something about your faith, not be challenged to go out and be that neighborhood hope dealer. And I'm just telling you, things are going to change from this service on. You say, man, I thought we were doing it. Well, I had the Holy Spirit tell me you're doing a good job inside of, of bringing outsiders in, but you're not going outside these walls. That's what I heard three months ago. And that's what this series was birthed out of. And so from this day forward, everything changes for us. So there's going to be opportunity, uh, opportunities for us to be those neighborhood hope dealers. And some of you aren't going to be comfortable, and I understand that. Find you a church that you can go to, that you can say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get behind this vision. I'm going to get planted in this house. Maybe it's not here. Maybe you're in a seat that is designed for someone who's broken. Maybe you're occupying a space that God says that's for a broken person. Because if you want church all about you, this is not the church for you. We are a church that exists for people who are not yet here yet. We are a church filled with two types of people, broken people and people who want to help broken people. Broken people and people who want to help broken people. If that's you, say, count me in on this. Hmm? It's going to get messy. It's going to get messy. But this is what we're praying for around here. Broken people. So don't be surprised. You see certain people show up. You smell certain things. Come on now. It's going to get messy. I'm not talking about the bad gas you had. <laughs> now let me just tell you something. Let me tell you something. You see these seats? Seats? Empty seats? A few against the wall? Why are they empty? They're not supposed to be empty. Did you hear what Jesus said? Every seat filled. Every seat filled. Why are they empty? What are we doing? Are we just checking it off our box? I came to church. I'm good for the week. My sins are forgiven. What, what are we doing, church? Because every seat should have a broken person sitting in it. Every seat should have somebody who is hopeless, somebody who feels lost. Because Jesus said, lay eyes on everyone, both the good and the bad, and invite them out to my house. You know what the reality is right now, right now at this moment, there are thousands of people within a 15, 20 mile radius of this church who are out and about who are broken. Broken. There are broke people pumping gas right now at Speedway, using their speedy rewards, smiling. There are broke people at Goodwill right now. There are broke people at the Walgreens, whatever it is. There are broke people all around us eating breakfast, eating, getting ready to eat lunch right now. They're, you don't have to look far to find brokenness. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. They need the great fixer-upper. Let us not get comfortable because we got our seat that we sit in every time out of the 11 o'clock. We got our parking spot. We, come, we get in and out. We got all the road. I'm about to skate. Some Michael Jackson moves up here. Let's not get comfortable. Well, I, there's already a lot of people come to this church. 
There's already, it's already traffic jam. The hallways are crazy. And I got to wait 2.5 minutes to pick up my kids from the class. And, you know, to get off this lot, it's difficult. Why do we need more people? Why? Because Jesus said, go after the broken people and get them to my house and watch what I'll do with their lives. Jesus is the remedy for their brokenness. I said, Jesus is. Jesus was interested in and befriended the broken. Look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 10 and 11. Later, when Jesus was eating supper at Matthew's house with his close followers, a lot of disruptible, is that it? Close enough. Characters came out and joined them. When the Pharisees saw him keeping this kind of company, they had a fit and they lit into Jesus' as followers. What kind of example is this from your teacher acting cozy with crooks and riffraff? I'm just determined here that this is not supposed to be a country club for everyone who has their polo on and acts like they got life together. But this is called to be a hospital for the broken. And a hospital is a messy place. In a hospital, there are, there are moments when there is urgent needs to be met. At a hospital, there is an urgency to take care of the hurting, to take care of someone who is in ICU, to take care of someone whose life is on the line. And if their life is on the line, and I believe their life is on the line because there is a heaven and there is a hell and eternity is real. So that means their life is on the line when they walk through these doors. I'm determined for this to be a hospital for the broken. That's what I'm determined here. So if you're broken, you're in the right place. If you want to help with the brokenness, you're in the right place. You're in the perfect church that's not perfect. You're in the perfect church that's not perfect. Matthew 9, 12, after Jesus heard what they We're talking about the Pharisees getting on him for hanging out with all the sinners. Jesus overhearing, shot back. Who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? Go figure out what this scripture means. Jesus like, hey, go figure out what this means, guys. He said this, I'm after what? Not. I'm here to invite what? Not coddle insiders. Wow. I wonder today, would Jesus call you a mercy person or a religious person? I wonder today, would he call you a mercy person or a religious? Would he say you're so full of mercy that you invite outsiders, you're concerned with the brokenness of their life? Or would he say you come to fuel, you do your weekly routine, you check the box, you throw a little token in the offering, you're good? Huh? What, what, what would he say about you? Would he say this, that, that you're outsider focused and you're willing to become inconvenienced for others? Or would he say you're inside focused, always wanting to be comfortable and never inconvenienced? I, I want a church that declares to Jesus, go ahead, Jesus, inconvenience me for broken people. Go ahead, incon- if I'm at the speedway, inconvenience me. If I'm out to eat, inconvenience me. If I'm in my home, inconvenience me to take some time to help with the brokenness of humanity. Go ahead, inconvenience me. I wonder if we could have that decree and that mission for our church, for each and every one of us, 
as we move forward in this new season. Go ahead, Jesus, inconvenience me to help someone who's broken. I've learned this about following Christ and about broken people, that proximity creates passion and distance creates distortion. Proximity creates passion and distance creates distortion, meaning whatever, whoever you're close to, you will become the most passionate about. And whatever you are far from, you will not care about. For many, church has become a profession. I come, I get what I need, I clock in, clock out, grab my free coffee, say hi to the preacher, I'm good. And there's a distance to broken people. And because of that distance, there's no passion for the lost and the hopeless and the broken people that live all around you, that you work with, that are on your street. There, there, there's no passion because there is a distance and it's created this distortion. How do you bridge that gap of distance? Through relationship, through getting a passion for the broken people in your sphere of influence. So my challenge for our church today and moving forward is this. We need to start feeling the brokenness of humanity again. It becomes so common that we kind of just say, oh, that's normal. We've heard that story before. No, it's not. We need to hear it again. And we not only need to feel it, we need to start doing something about it. Because that's exactly what Jesus did for you and I. He found us in our broken state and he left his own space and he came close to us and he took our pain and he took our mess and he took our brokenness and he never condemned us for our struggles. But he simply loved us and he gave us hope. And he's asking each and every one of us today to follow his lead. God, will you fill this house with broken people? God, will you use me? This should be our prayer. Will you use me to help pick up the pieces? You may be so broken yourself and say, how could I even start to do that? I'm so messed up myself. Watch what happens when you start to help someone else's brokenness. A healing takes place in your heart with your own brokenness. But we get so self-centered and we get our busy schedules. And I get it. It's summertime. It's probably not a great message to preach. Some of you are willing to dip out for the next two months. Come on now. And I'm all for summer. I love vacation. Everybody should take one. But we shouldn't take a vacation from God. And we shouldn't forget his house. Because he didn't forget us. And he doesn't say, hey, I'm going to take a little break from blessing you. I'm not going to give you so much peace and joy in your house. I need about eight weeks off. He doesn't do that. So take your vacation. Do that. Get that. It's awesome. Refresh your soul. I'm all for that. I'll be doing that. Amen? But let's not forget about a broken city. Let's not forget about 50%, they say, in this community, if they were to die today, are going to a Christless eternity. Let's not forget about that. Half of our city, what's that? 25, 30, 35,000 people? I don't know. Somewhere around there. Have no affiliation with Jesus. I think it's time for us to bring hope back. 
I think it's time for us to be those neighborhood hope dealers. I want our church to be known as the neighborhood hope dealer. I want you to be out and about and people talk about your church. Hey, man, that church, man, they're awesome, man. They, they, they're a blessing, man. They're dealing hope, man. We went from dealing dope to hope. Come on, somebody. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. Jesus name. It's simple as that. And uh, I encourage you find a good local church. If, if you can get to fuel church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God until next time. God bless you. Have a great week.